Is your child struggling with a specific subject or need help with homework? Are they asking questions that you're not sure you can fully answer? IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids. It covers math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed. This program will improve your kids' grades. Studies done in almost every state in the country. The kids who had IXL are consistently doing better. Powered by advanced algorithms, IXL gives the right help to each kid no matter the age or personality. And it doesn't have to eat up all your time. One subscription gets you everything for all the kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. So don't miss out. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com audio. Visit IXL.com audio to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. What's going on, guys? Welcome to the Upper Hand Fantasy Podcast. This is Faraz Siddiqui. I'm here with Joe Volpe, fantasy.football.analyst on Instagram. Um, what's up, Joe? We got some questions today. Um, we do. I, th- I think, I think um, you know, the, the season's coming up and people are dying to get their questions answered because their drafts, you know, are, are upon them. So we're just trying to, you know, help people out. So this episode is, you know, we, we, we got a bunch of questions from our communities on Instagram and on, on you know, at Upper Hand Fantasy and at Fantasy.Football Analyst. And, you know, we kind of compiled 10 questions or about 10 questions that we're going to answer. Um, we just kind of ch- tried to choose the best ones, but a lot of questions did come in. Uh, so if we didn't yeah. answer your question, we're sorry. But, you know, we're hoping that these 10 questions will help a lot of people out. Yes. So uh, let's just jump straight into it. It's probably not going to be as long as an, as an episode, depending on our explanations, but we do get pretty lengthy. And I think taking opportunity to do a podcast in this type of form allows us to answer the question to the fullest extent, as opposed to like being on live and doing quick hits. So, yes. um, you know, we're going to take some time with these. Let's start with the first one. This is from uh, Mark Andre 3000. He says, what are the best late round tight end targets? Um, he didn't specify whether PPR or standard, but we can just go over some of the targets that we like. So for me, um, Adam, Adam Troutman was a guy that I'm targeting. I'm a little cautious right now, as we talked about in that preseason episode. Uh, we still want to see if Troutman's going to be a thing this year or if the Saints tight ends just aren't going to be a thing. Uh, we also talked about Donald Parham yesterday. And Parham is, you know, if he ends up being the guy, in Los Angeles, then he's got top, you know, five to 10 upside. It's just about if he will be that guy, how much work he's going to see in the field, how much targets he will see. Uh, regardless, at the end of the day, he's a great tight end target. I mean, a great uh, red zone threat. Um, Mike Gazicki, another guy who I like. And normally I wouldn't be going after Gazicki, given the fact that they added Jalen Waddle, um, they added Will Fuller to a, we still don't know exactly what he's going to be. So with all that being there, I wouldn't, I'm not necessarily a huge fan of Gazicki, but the fact that his ADP has dropped all the way into the 12th, 13th round is uh, I, I think definitely worth buying into, especially after his progression over the last couple of years. So uh, I, I like Gazicki is probably my favorite late round target. And we're talking about late, we're talking after 10th round, right? Because anything yes. before that is relatively early for a tight end, some might say. So uh, what about you? What, what do you got for late round tight end targets? I think I have an idea about one because we talked about him yesterday. Yeah, you know, there are a couple, right? Um, I would say um, there's only like maybe three three guys, maybe max four guys that I, I yeah. would be okay with. Uh, and, you know, like you said, Adam Troutman, you know, was one of those guys I was definitely looking at. Um, but I've noticed that he's become quite a popular sleeper you know, amongst yeah. a lot of people and a lot of the drafts that I've been doing, um, you know, people have been plucking him, you know, a little bit earlier than ADP because they know that, you know, a lot of people have been eyeing him. Um, the, you know, week one of preseason wasn't like amazingly optimistic for him. Uh, but at the same time, you know, he was in the field a lot and, you know, uh, he is the only tight end that deserves any sort of praise in new Orleans. Um, right now I'm not overly targeting him, but he is an option. 
Okay. Um, another guy that I'm looking at is Cole Komet. We talked about it in the preseason episode. He's somebody that I'm okay. You know, listen, if you're going to punt the tight end position, right, you take a stab at who you think has high upside, right? And what ends up happening is that, like, if these late round tight ends don't work out, you end up streaming, right? And you're, this is basically basically an agreement with yourself that if you chose choose to punt the tight end position and you choose to take take a tight end late, you're basically telling yourself like, hey, I am agreeing <laughs> that if this tight end sucks, I will stream, right? That's basically what you're saying because, you know, just because you take a tight end late and you're confident in a tight end, you know, that doesn't mean that that tight end is going to work out right? You have to understand that if you're taking a tight end super late, the chances are higher that, that, that it does not work out, that they don't become a top 10 tight end. Uh, but you, you're taking, you're, you're doing your best and you're taking your most educated guess at these guys. So these are the, these are those type of guys, right? Cole Komet, somebody who has extremely high route participation. Uh, he was in on, in every, on every snap with, um, with Andy Dalton, um, so I'm, you know, I, I, I love that, right. That's similar to a guy like Logan Thomas, obviously he's going before the 10th round, but I'm just trying to make the comparison to routes run route participation. And those are the type of things that, that really, um, propel a tight end, uh, when you're trying to find these late round gems. Um, now, uh, and if you want to, uh, and you know, if you want to hear more about Cole Komet, you got to listen to last week's episode because we really go in depth about it. Um, but, but that is an interesting thing. Uh, Anthony Ferkser is somebody that you should be off of um, because he was actually rotating a ton with the first team with, with several tight ends. Uh, and he was staying in the block as well uh, a few times. So he's somebody that I know that a lot of people had on their radar, um, but I don't think he should be anymore. Um, do, you, do you have yeah, any ahead. really deep tight end targets like let's say you're in this huge league and there's no one on the board you need someone with upside who's absolutely free. yeah so and one I, of those I, guys I, for me is yeah, CJ Uzama sure only because the Bengals are passing a ton he played a couple games last year I believe he uh in a points per game basis he was among the top of the league obviously such a small sample size but the team's been talking him up Drew Sample isn't much involved this is going to be a pass heavy offense and uh, he, he stayed with the system for quite a bit of time. So he is someone who, if you really, really, really in a crappy spot, uh, he might be worth taking a stab at. What about you? Well, who's your late, late, late guy? Well, and, and just, uh, you know, on Ozama, I just want to provide some context there. Sure. Uh, the, the, the starters only played about six snaps. Um, and CJ Ozama was in for five of those snaps. And the only snap he wasn't in for was a running play. So that's a good sign for Uzama yep. and, and his potential this year, just in terms of, you know, just him being on the field when it matters, right? Um, another guy that I've been targeting in a ton of leagues super late is Gerald Everett. Um, I think that, you know, Russell Wilson does, in fact, depend on the tight end a lot over the past several years. It just so happened that, you know, it was never like a consistent guy, right, outside of Jimmy Graham a couple of years ago where he had that consistent end zone target. Um, Russell Wilson actually targets his tight end in the red zone higher than any other quarterback over the past two years. Um, so Gerald Everett, you know, uh -huh. obviously is a big body. He is he is somebody who um, is extremely athletic. If you look at his athletic profile. Uh, over on uh, playoffprofile.com, you'll see that. Um, and, you know, it's like one of those situations where he he's unleashed from a two tight end set uh, in LA. And now he's over, you know, with the Seahawks. And he, it seems like he's going to be the guy. Um, Pete Carroll's talking about, he talks up everybody. But it's one of those situations where I think that he is going to be on the field uh, for most passing plays. So I'm excited about that. I'm excited about him being hooked up, you know, with his former um, offensive coordinator um, in LA. And it's one of those situations where I'm just excited about this overall offense. And Gerald Everett is the starting tight end for that offense. Um, I have excited about that. Um, another guy I'm excited about is, um, well, you know, I'm not, I'm not so sure that I'm excited about it because I don't know what the injury situation is, but I really want to target one of these tight ends on the Dallas Cowboys, right? Uh, Dalton Schultz obviously took over last year um, late, but Blake Jarwin is coming back. And it seems like, you know, e each of those guys missed one of their, one of their preseason games, right? So far. So we really want to see, I think in the second game, uh, I'm sorry, their third preseason game, but the second week of real preseason, we're going to get an opportunity to see both of these guys uh, playing. And that's when we'll really get an opportunity to see, you know, who they prefer. Uh, my guess is that Blake Jarwin is the guy that they prefer, uh, but we're just not 100% sure that he's like all the way back, 
right from injury and that they're kind of unleashing him right um so that's that's something to pay attention to but i honestly think that these guys are going super late and there's somebody there are two guys or at least one of these guys whoever uh their starter ends up being uh will be extremely fantasy relevant absolutely and uh just on that gerald everett front um look at the guys behind him i mean colby parkinson He's been talked up this offseason, but he just had a serious injury and I believe he's going to have surgery and miss a bit of time. Yep. Um, Will Disley, as we know, cannot stay healthy. So uh, Greg Olson has retired. So there's really no one else behind Everett as well. So he should get a lot of opportunity. So that was the first question. Uh, let's jump into the second question here. When did you start getting into fantasy football? And uh, why did you? You know, what, what inspired you to start? doing uh, your page, I guess. So for me, it was after the first time I ever played fantasy football. Um, I, I drafted Tom Brady in the first round and <laughs> nice. you know, t- typical Patriots homer move. Um, and uh, even with that, I, I still ended up making the playoffs. I didn't win, but I, I did pretty good in my first ever year. And then the second year I made a ton of trades. I really, you know, dove my head in and focused and, uh, learned a lot and I ended up winning just my second year in that league. So after that, you know, I, I talked to my girlfriend all the time about fantasy football players and like my ideas and stuff like that. She like, stop talking to me, make an Instagram page, talk to someone else about this. Just, you know, cause I've seen other fantasy pages on Instagram and uh, that's kind of what happened. I just kind of ended up making it and it's become what it is today. So curious to hear uh, what, what was it for you? What, what got you into this space? I was always looking for some sort of business to start. And um, I was reading a lot of books. I was watching a lot of content about business and put, you know putting out content, that sort of thing. I just didn't really know what it was going to be around, right? I was one of those people that wanted to do something like that, wanted to apply, apply that knowledge to something. But I just didn't have that something to say like, okay, like this is what I'm going to build it around. Um, and then I started watching like Gary V's content and a couple other guys. And then I realized like, okay, like, why don't I just make content around something that I already do? And I was already playing fantasy football for a while. And I was like, you know what? Like, I think I'll be pretty good at explaining it. I think I'll be pretty like, you know, I can explain this in a no BS type of way. And I haven't really seen, you know, a lot of people kind of like go face the camera like I do on Instagram. And I just thought that that would be something unique. And I thought that I would be able to like do it. And if I do it for a long time and I stick with it, it might turn into something. Um, And now it's one of those things where like, I just enjoy putting the content out, enjoy the interactions with people. um, And I enjoy all the DMs that I get and to sit, you know, with all the people that say like, Hey, I just created a fantasy account too. Like, can you give me any advice and stuff like that? And I just think full circle, you know, the whole point of, you know, anything that we do or I do is that I want to give back at the end of the day. So like the only way that I can give back the best way into the world is if I myself live to my potential and do my best. And then whatever that, that ultimate, whatever that ends up being throughout that journey and throughout that process, I can continue to give back however I can. So that's kind of how I look at it. Like just build myself up as much as possible, build up upper hand as much as possible in order for me to give back as much as possible. If that makes sense. There you go. A man man of the given. (laughs) A man of giving. (laughs) A man of giving. That's right. (laughs) So selfless, this guy. Okay. Number three. (laughs) T Higgins floor and ceiling for 2021. Oh, and the last question was from, Joe underscore Jassic 27. This one comes from at js.peter. So T Higgins floor and ceiling for 2021. You want to start this off? Um, yeah, I, I think his floor is relatively high. Um, you know, we saw what he did last year, um, you know, with AJ, AJ Green on the field with Tyler Boyd. Um, he was their rookie. best pr- as a rookie. He was their best perimeter wide receiver. Um, and now everybody's talking him up in terms of an improved player right? Coming into his sophomore year. Yes, obviously, Jamar Chase is there. A lot of people are projecting Jamar Chase to be the number one wide receiver, the alpha wide receiver, you know, off the bat as soon as his rookie year. But at the same time, like, 
you know, I don't think T. Higgins is, is no slouch. He was, you know, top, like, I think, six in yards per route run amongst rookies. He had one of the best rookie wide receiver seasons. Um, and, you know, even when Joe Burrow got hurt, you know, he still had some games where he was performing. So it's one of those situations where Joe Burrow is coming back. It's going to be a pass-heavy offense. And I don't think you can go wrong with any of these wide receivers. I do think that um, he ha- his upside is higher than a guy like Tyler Boyd. Um, and he has the upside to be, I think, like a top 16, 17 wide receiver, you know, if Jamar Chase doesn't come along the way that a lot of people are predicting him to in his first year, which is not to say that Jamar Chase is a bust, but it, it doesn't mean that Jamar Chase has to like absolutely crush in year one. Uh, there's plenty of mouths to feed, which is why I think his floor is high. Um, and I think his ADP of the fifth, sixth round um, is pretty damn good. So I'm, I'm, I love T Higgins. He's somebody that I'm definitely targeting. Uh, I'm actually not targeting Jamar Chase because of his price. Um, and if, you know, these two guys were the same price in, in redraft, honestly, like I might lean T Higgins because I know what I have in him. I know what I have in, you know, as far as you know, an NFL receiver, you know, we know exactly what we have. Does Jamar Chase have higher upside? Maybe. Yeah. Long-term. Sure. Um, but I do think that the upside, uh, you know, with T Higgins is a wide receiver too. So last year, T. Higgins had 906 yards in the air as a rookie, which is absolutely nuts Um, (laughs) during COVID, especially not playing the first game and then kind of coming in and he has 651 unrealized air yards. A lot of that thankful to the crappy quarterbacks that rotated in after Joe Burrow went down. Um, (laughs) You know, overall, he had had the 10th most deep targets in the entire league. And I think that's what separates him from a guy like Tyler Boyd to where Boyd, you're going to have to rely on him racking up catches. And for T. Higgins, he's a guy who has the opportunity to go big uh, on any given game. So he's going to be targeted downfield. He's going to have Jamar Chase on their side. It's yet to be seen who is going to take away that number one coverage. I'd imagine early on it might be T. Higgins, just because rookies typically don't always see that coverage right away. But as the season goes on, as Jamar Chase kind of sees the tougher coverage, It'd be interesting to see if T. Higgins really gets unleashed. So uh, I think his floor is pretty high. Uh, like you said, I'd say a, like a high wide receiver three at yeah. least, right? And and that's with Joe Burrow on the field. With Joe Burrow off the field, that can kind of get lowered a little bit. But uh, regardless, don't don't be, you know, and, and, and ceiling. I mean, I could see him being a top 10 wide receiver. It's not I, – I, I don't see that as a likely scenario with all the other wide receivers being there. But just if he has the best of the best in terms of every outcome for this season, he could be a wide receiver one. So um, that's just kind of the floor and ceiling in my opinion here. Yeah, he's he's honestly slept on, you know. Um, and when I said yeah. that he was a top seven uh, in yards per route run, if you look at all all 12 rookie wide receivers who had more than 50 targets, Higgins was third in yards per route run. And he was only behind Justin Jefferson and Chase Claypool. Um, and, and with Joe Burrow, he was up at two yards per route run, which which that threshold we spoke about on the podcast before, mm-hmm. that threshold of two, 2.0 yards per route run is a great threshold for future success when you hit that as a rookie. Um, so this is, you know, he almost broke a thousand yards. And obviously if Burrow didn't get hurt, he definitely would have hit a thousand yards. And I think after this season, we would have been looking at T Higgins very differently. You know, yeah. if he was, you know, like, let's say T Higgins ended up with like 1100 yards, right? 1150, right? It would be a different story, right? And he yeah. could have easily hit that um, if Joe Burrow stayed healthy. He'd be being talked about as another breakout rookie right next to Justin Jefferson. I mean, getting a thousand yards as a rookie wide receiver during COVID is not easy to do. And the fact that there were almost two of these guys last year is nuts. Yeah. And um, the fact that he, he was a, he was a, he was a guy in the, um, who was targeting the end zone too. Like out of all of yeah. Out of all of the rookies, Higgins was first in contested targets and catches with Joe Burrow. So I don't think Jamar Chase is going to be the only end zone target on the Bengals next year. Awesome. So next we have running backs to target at 10th overall in a 12-team PPR um, and also what running backs will come back at the turn. I think we talked about this yesterday as well or maybe it was on one of the lives in the car. I feel like I heard this question before. Yeah, yeah, I think so. (laughs) But this comes from Twill4708. Um, some of the guys that I remember we mentioned, 
I, I mentioned Aaron Jones, uh, Nick Chubb. Yes. You were also a big fan of Aaron Jones. He would probably be the number one priority for each of us, that 10th overall spot. I think uh, Austin, Eckler, talking... Austin Eckler for me is right there as yeah. well. Um, I know Eckler a, for you in that spot. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, now when it comes to the turn, so to sum it up, in that 10th spot, Aaron Jones first. Second, we'll say Austin Eckler because I'm sure. okay with that being second. If you can't get either of those guys for whatever reason, what other running back? Nick Chubb? Well, uh, just, just remember that, you know, depending on your draft, depending on your yeah. league, a lot of people don't want Saquon. <laughs> you know, what, like, just keep sure. that in mind. Keep that in mind. Like, Saquon has the ability to slip in a lot of leagues. And if he's there, I'm taking him over both guys. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's fair. And then I think just Nick wanna, Chubb, you can one, kind of put him at the end of that. You should yeah, be one of those so. four guys. Yeah. And um, then so, so now you want to talk about, like, at the 14 spot, basically, coming back around? Yep. Yep. So they want to talk about the turn and which guys the target, uh, assuming all four of those guys are gone. Eckler yes. might still be there depending on who your league mates are. What, what, what running backs would you be looking for? Cause for me, not, okay, no, go ahead. You got it. I was going to say Joe Mixon, but I, I, you know, I was hoping that you would, you know, like I wanted to take that thunder away from you, but Joe Mixon is like right there. Najee Harris is right there. I think those like, for me, those are the main two guys on that turn at the 14th spot that I'm, I'm hoping is on the board. What yeah, I, I like that. And I, I don't mind taking Gibson there. Uh, okay, I know you're yep. not as high on Gibson, but um, I, I do like Gibson in that area as well. But I would go Joe Mixon first, Najee, and then Gibson. So Yeah, exactly. And, and I, I don't <laughs> mind that either because, you know, coming back in that third round, you're not going to have a lot of options in terms yep. of running back, in terms of like workhorse running backs. And, um, you know, if all like if there was a ridiculous running back run and then Najee's not on the board, Joe Mixon for some reason, someone that was high on him like you, you know, and would take him, you know, right before you, I don't mind going Antonio Gibson. If you want that, that running back, you know, and I think right after him, Antonio Gibson and Clyde Edwards Hilaire are in a similar tier. Right. So like, you you know, I think taking Clyde Edwards Hilaire there is a little bit of a reach, but at the same time, if you really, really, really want to start your, your your team with two like very solid running backs you know that's something you might have to do awesome so that and obviously if, if any of the guys we mentioned in the number 10 spot are available and that's in that turn that's who you want to target yeah um okay so the fifth question we have here and we're going to be doing up to 10 today i don't know if there's any extras after that but let's see we got swift monty or Jacobs, how would you order these guys in standard and how would you order them in PPR? Um, so for me, Swift first, and this is PPR, Swift first, then Monty, then Jacobs, and then in a standard. Same, by the way, for me in PPR. Same. Okay. In standard, I'm thinking about this a little more. Uh, I think I value Montgomery here, man. Number one. That, that's what I'm thinking, too. Just because yeah. the large part of Swift is going to be that passing work. And how much, how many touchdowns is Swift really going to get this <laughs> exactly. year on, on that offense, right? So, I, so I, I guess in that sense, I would say Monty, then Swift, and I'm still going to have Jacobs. But then Jacobs in a standard. I know you're huge on Kenyon Drake, but I feel like. I'm not, I'm not huge on Kenyon Drake in PPR. Um, I'm also not huge on Kenyon Drake in general. I'm just huge on Kenya, uh, on the hindrance Sure. <laughs> of of Kenyon Drake to Josh Jacobs' value, um, but I, I I in a standard I I think I'm avoiding DeAndre Swift to be honest with you, um, right. and I rather wait uh, and take Josh Jacobs like you know like early like I'm okay taking Josh Jacobs in a, in a non PPR league at like the end of the third round. Yeah. Okay. Right. So yeah, I think we both. both See the thing with, with, like, with Montgomery Monty, then too, Jacobs then Swift. Yeah, exactly. Um, Montgomery, Jacobs, and Swift, just in case you didn't hear it. But um, the thing with Montgomery is that, like, the good thing about picking him is that he has the upside of a bell cow running back, right? Like, we don't yeah. necessarily know how that situation is going to turn out in terms of whether Damian Williams is going to be super involved in the pass game or not, whether, you know, uh, David Montgomery is going to be there, be on the field for like 70% of snaps, because that, the upside for that is still there, and the likelihood of that is pretty high. Um, there's also likelihood that there's also a chance that that doesn't happen, that he's strictly an early, early down guy. Um, but the fact that the early down thing is like his floor and he doesn't have anybody who's necessarily going to be, you know, mixing in on early downs too much for him. Um, I think that the, he has a decent floor in, in non PPR. He has the goal line role, you know, locked in. Um, so I'm, I'm, I think I prefer Montgomery in that situation. 
Sweet. So next question we got here, this is from F Cruz 402. Um, so best round for wide receivers, if you went running back in the first round, so we can kind of just sum this up to somewhere who are the best round for wide receivers. I have the ADPs pulled up right here. So we're going to go strictly off uh, fantasy calculator ADP, unless you have a uh, data for underdog or something like that, but yeah, it's fine. It's probably around the, around yeah. the same thing anyway. So yeah. current fourth, wide, fourth round wide receivers. Uh, we have Robert Woods, Julio Jones, uh, Amari Cooper, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, and Cooper Cup. So we got both the Rams wide receivers, both the Buccaneers wide receivers, uh, Julio, and I believe that's it. Yeah. It was Amar- Amari. Um, also, uh, Tyler Lockett and Cooper Cup are making their way into the fourth round as well. Cooper Cup actually um, isn't in the fourth round. Oh, you just say, oh, I'm sorry. You, you said that already. Okay. Yeah, the Rams. Yeah. Uh, sure. Tyler Lockett actually is in the beginning of the fifth he, he's he's starting to trend upwards but he's still in the he fifth round yes yeah i'm looking at four four for four right now in a 12 team it seems like he's he's rising man uh, oh, i yeah. think people are people are starting to catch on Tyler. absolutely so let's name our three favorite out of this group so for me it's gonna be mari cooper number one i think he's me. gonna be yeah yeah mari cooper number one for me as well um <laughs> Robert, I know you like Cup better. I do like Robert Woods a little better. So Robert Woods is gonna be my number two here. Sure. Um uh, number three, I guess it would be Julio. Uh, I'm kind of I'm I'm gonna stay away from Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. It's gonna be between Julio and Cooper Cup for that third spot for me. Um, but I think I'm gonna lean Julio a little bit here. Yeah, I mean um, I'm looking at all these wide receivers and let's say, let's say Robert Woods is part of it. So I'm going to list out the wide receivers again and then give you my favorite. Okay. So Robert, sure. these are the wide receivers I'm t- we're talking about. Robert Woods, Mike Evans, Amari Cooper, Julio, Chris Godwin, Tyler Lockett, Cooper Cup, right? Those are the guys, right? So yep. I'm, I'm going to say, you know, I think Robert Wood and Cooper Cup are here at the top for me. Uh, I'm sorry. Amari Cooper is at the top for me here. Okay. That followed by, and by the way, we didn't say CD Lamb, but CD Lamb in some leagues are going after Amari Cooper. And I think it's a lot of it is because of Amari Cooper's injury. He's back off the pup now. So I yep. think that might flip again. Um, so I do like Amari Cooper. And, Amari Cooper and CD Lamb combination, I love at the top. Robert Woods, Cooper Cup combination, I love right after that. And I do like Cooper Cup a little bit more than Robert Woods. Uh, after that, I'm not drafting Mike Evans in the, at this spot. Julio Jones, um, I like him, um, but I don't think I'm going to have too many shares of him. Um, I'm just, I, 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 you know, I'll be honest with you guys. Like Julio, in, avoiding Julio is like a little bit of a gut feel. Um, I, I don't know why I can't get behind it. Um, it. I wish, you know, all of my takes are super analytical most of the time. And with Julio here, like I'm just, I'm not convinced that, I'm not. I'm just not convinced that he's going to stay healthy. He just seems like a little bit of a landmine pick to me, um, even though we know what his upside is. Um, so Tyler Lockett would be the next one for me. I, I do like Tyler Lockett more than Chris Godwin. Um, now, yeah, if I take Tyler Lockett in the fourth, it might be a little bit of a reach, but I don't care. You know, because if you're picking, let's say, the three four turn or you know, middle of the fourth round, you might not be able to get your hands on him. Um, you know, if you wait too long and these other guys are off the board. So that's 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 how I feel about these guys. Yeah, and I, I think the beauty here is that, like, if you do like Tyler Lockett and your pick is at the end of the fourth round, then you can get a Cooper Cup. And then when it comes back, you still get a guy like Tyler Lockett. So don't pay up if you don't have to. And that's what I would like. My example is like, if you want to buy an apple and the apple is $2, why would you pay $2.50? I don't know why an apple. Well, think about, what, what, think about that. Why pay more for something if you don't have to? I'm just giving you. I'm, I'm just embracing the silence here. I'm just giving. I'm just giving Joe an awkward look. Um, see, I was in a draft. Um, yeah, uh, two two days ago, and it came down to I think it was Deontay Johnson and Tyler Lockett. I was at the turn. I think I was at the Ooh. four or five turn or something. Or, yeah, I think it was the four or five turn. I like Deontay Johnson a little bit more, just a little bit more, but I ended up taking. Uh, Cooper, uh, I ended up taking Tyler Lockett first because he was ranked higher on the ADPs. Yep. And I know that the person drafting after me needed running backs. Yep. Okay. So that's how I played it. I took Tyler Lockett first because I was trying to get both guys, right? I would be okay if I just had Tyler Lockett and not Deontay, but guess what? I ended up with both. 
if I took Deontay first, the first wide receiver that was the first player overall, the next highest was Tyler Lockett. So the chances that they take that guy was higher, right? Yeah. Um, that's kind of how I played it. Obviously, if you're playing in an expert league or something like that, or an, an analyst league, you know, ADPs, you throw them out the window for the most part. Sure. Um, because people will grab them. But, you know, these are the kind of games that you had to play with most people. Awesome. So that answers that. The next question we have here is from Brenny underscore underscore. Um, so the question here is outlook on Leonard Fournette and Zach Moss. Uh, also, who you like better? So let's talk a little bit about each of these guys. I just did, lucky enough for you. I just did a full breakdown on uh, Leonard Fournette yesterday. I believe he's being overvalued right now. Um, look. Everybody wants to talk about playoff Lenny. Everybody wants to talk about Super Bowl Lenny, but nobody talks about regular season Lenny for a reason. He finished last year with 10.6 points per game, and his situation has only gotten worse in terms of competition and mainly because Giovanni Bernard. So there's, as a Mixon fan, there's a reason why I was so frustrated by Giovanni Bernard for all these years, and there's a reason Mixon never got the full opportunity with Giovanni Bernard there. And that reason is because Giovanni Bernard ranked seventh in pass protection last year. So he's going to have a higher chance of being on the field in third down situations. And I believe they really did get him on this team for that reason, because that is something they struggled with last year. For reference, Ronald Jones was 44th in pass protection and Leonard Fournette was 65th in pass protection. So definitely an area where, Giovanni Bernard can come in and take away that role from Leonard Fournette as being the third down back, so to speak. Um, so then you say, okay, maybe Lenny can, you know, uh, contribute on the ground, but that's also where you're wrong because Ronald Jones was just shy of a thousand rushing yards last year. Uh, Lenny was outside the top 40 in categories such as yards per touch, yards created per touch, juke rate. Lenny only had four games with 10 or more carries while Rojo only had four games without, 10 or more carries. So to me, Leonard Fournette is the odd guy out in this backfield. Uh, he's being drafted in the seventh round, which I'm not a fan of. So I, I'm going to be staying away from Lenny this year. I 100% agree. That was a great, that was a great breakdown, dude. You should read I my enjoy, post, I, man. I, I enjoyed that. Um, I just like your posts. I don't read them. Uh, I, <laughs> <Me too. laughs> I, I made See, a post about Michael Gallup and I'm like, go look at Faraz's take. It was amazing. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, like, I think we just respect each other's game. So it, respect, it was enough. Disrespect, um, respect, respect, disrespect, disrespect. Um, <laughs> I think you nailed it, man. And I think, you know, like you said, Giovanni Bernard being there and, you know, the, their usage in the preseason, first week one of preseason was exactly how they described that they were going to be used. And uh, Giovanni came in on all the third downs and all the long down and distance in the two minutes. That, that's his role. That's what they signed him for. Mm -hmm. um, unfortunately, if you're going to draft any running back in this backfield, it's going to be Ronald Jones. Um, you know, there is a chance that Ronald Jones, listen, they, they waited a while to re-sign Leonard Fournette. Um, they didn't sign him too much. And Ronald Jones is the guy with the upside. Uh, it's not like, I'm not like over targeting Ronald Jones or anything like that, or even targeting him at all, but he's the guy to have on the, in this backfield. Like I wouldn't be surprised if he gets 1200, 1300 yards rushing out of nowhere. Um, because it's, it's very possible that, you know, uh, Leonard Fournette is kind of set to the side a little bit. Um, if you look at like, like, and you mentioned some of these numbers to, to be honest with you, with Ronald Jones, uh, his real issue was fumbling. Right. And the fact that, um, you know, his head coach didn't trust him, you know, he trusted him and then he lost trust very easily. Um, now, if you look at all the running backs with a minimum of 175 carries, Jones was third in yards after contact per attempt, only behind Nick Chubb and Derrick Henry. If you look at the NFL next gen stats, he had the most rushing yards over expectation only behind Henry Chubb and Dalvin cook. And he had the second most rushing yards over expectation per attempt only behind Nick Chubb. He was fourth in yards of yards per attempt only behind Chubb, Aaron Jones and Henry. So like this guy, <laughs> there's a lot of reasons to like him as a rusher. He, ha he has serious vulnerabilities in the past game. I'm surprised he even had like 40 targets last year. Um, but 
uh, and that I might surprise you too. Like I, when I heard that, I, actually, uh, my boy like texted me yesterday about it. I was like, really? He had 40 targets? Couldn't believe it. Um, and by the way, I didn't bet that at all. So like there could be total bullshit. But, um, but, but yeah, I, I was surprised about that. And he has uh, serious skills as a runner. I'm just hoping that he can get some opportunity. There's a reason why people, um, you know, are, 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 are stands for Ronald Jones. I, I get it. Um, but he, he really needs Leonard Fournette to get out of the way. Uh, I know the question is about Leonard Fournette, but I just gave you a lot of reasons why uh, I wouldn't be drafting him. <laughs> I'm looking at this. Uh, Ronald Jones had 42 targets last year. There you go. And you know, in week four, he had nine targets. Random. <laughs> well, Leonard Fournette got zero in that span. Interesting. So very interesting. Um, but second part of this question, Zach Moss. What are our thoughts on Zach Moss? Do we see him as a value? Are you staying away from him? <laughs> Me, personally, he's uh, someone who I have as an underrated player going into this year. His ADP has risen a little bit, but, you know, just a few weeks ago, he was going past the 10th round. Um, I think he's literally, like, him and Ronald Jones are actually, like, back-to-back in ADP right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he, Moss has gone up a little bit. Um, I don't know if my post had anything to do with it. No, okay. But... Um, so Moss's rookie year started just about how everybody, how every other rookie running backs year starts. Oh wait, no, it didn't because there was COVID. There was no preseason. There was no off season. His first game, he had 10 carries and then he got a nasty toe, uh, turf toe injury. So what happened when he came back from that turf toe? He outsnapped Devin Singletary in six out of the 10 games, uh, not including one game, uh, which would be the 11th game they played together where they tied in total. Moss had 30 red zone touches in 13 games as opposed to Devin Singletary's 27 in three more games. Um, he's already been labeled the best back in camp. And while his numbers didn't impress at the end of the year, he did have the seventh highest juke, juke rate and the seventh most yards created per touch. Uh, I, I know this Bills offense wasn't great for running backs in 2020, but I think it could be a lot better in 2021. Josh Allen just got paid. And then rather letting him carry the ball as much as he has throughout his first years of his career, they might want, to, might want to preserve him a little more, especially because he does have a cannon for an arm. It's not a guy like Lamar Jackson where that's the best part of their game. He also has, you know, great passing ability. Um, what, what really breaks it down here is the opportunity and the fact that they have a high chance for efficiency. So Zach Moss, saw less than six or less men in the box on over half of his plays, which was among the second best. Oh, sorry. That was among the top in the league for the least amount of stack boxes you can see as a runner. Um, They also had the second best game script for running backs in the entire league as well. So the opportunity is there. There's just a running back that has to come in and grab it. And if I'm looking at Zach Moss or if I'm looking at Devin Singletary, Zach Moss is going to be that guy. So he, he proved himself as college. He had a thousand plus yards in his last three, th- three seasons. Any injury concern is kind of baked into his price. Devin Singletary towards the end of the year was being benched for TJ Yeldon at times. It doesn't, yes. doesn't seem like they have a ton of opportunity and uh, a ton huge. of confidence in him. So for me, Zach Moss is a value. There's, there's an opportunity in front of him in terms of having an amazing game script not seeing stack boxes, going to the year healthy, actually having an off season. And if he can grab it, he can definitely return value as a seventh, eighth round running back. So uh, I'm fine taking him as my running back three, running back four. I think he's actually pretty good value this year. Oh, and he was also graded as the best pass blocking running back in the league last year. Wow. I didn't know that. (laughs) That's legit. I mean, Zach Moss basically does everything that Devin Singletary does, but better. Like literally he's a better runner. He's a better pass catcher. He's a better pass blocker. And when, when he was drafted last year, the Bills, like, had a plan for him. If you look at their red zone opportunities, these two guys in week one before Devin Singletary, you know, hurt his toe. And by the way, those toe injuries linger. So the fact that before they Moss hurt his toe? Because you said oh, what, did I, what did I say? Singletary? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah, before Moss good. hurt his toe. And by the way, these toe injuries linger throughout the season, right? So, like, yeah. there must have been a reason why they weren't using their running backs, right? Yeah. Um, but Zach Moss, in week one, this man had 10 red zone opportunities compared to Devin Singletary's three. 10 red zone opportunities. I'm not saying that's not 10 snaps. That means either a carry or a target in the red zone. He also had two end zone targets as well. So, like, they had a plan for this guy and they were using him. And then he got hurt and that all went to shit. But coming out this year, B reporters are talking about him looking way better 
than he was last year, improving a ton and him, him doing his thing in camp. So if you want to take a late round shot on Moss as somebody who could take a big step forward, uh, why not? I know that the Bills didn't use their running backs a ton last year, but there must have been a reason for that. Um, and I do think that this is, a, a, you know, obviously it's a great offense. So why not, you know, pick a guy who could potentially step into a vacant role? Absolutely. And just so on the surface, we both like Zach Moss better in all formats. Yes, every format. <laughs> Sweet. So let's move on to the next question here. Uh, Mixon or Gibson in a half PPR? This is by Jordan Budry, 82. Um, so let's take this at face value, a half PPR. And let's also answer this in more of a standard because I feel like that's when things might change a little bit here just because of uh, we don't know if Gibson's going to be as involved as a pass catcher. Mixon is going to see more passes. So I'm on the Mixon train. I think you're also going to take that side as well. I don't know if there's too, too much. We really have to go into this. Um, unless you want to talk a little bit why you're a little hesitant about Gibson. You can talk a little more. Well, it's really it's really about the role, right? Um, yeah. We we know that, you know, Mixon, if I had to guess like what Mixon's snap count, snap percentage is going to be on a per game basis, I would guess like 75%, you know, sure. at least, at least, right? It could be 80, right? And I think that because of that, you know, when you look at, okay, when you look at a running back's value and you mm -hmm. look at, you know, different, you know, stats and different, um, you know, inputs uh, into a formula of like, what is the most weighted? What matters the most? It's snaps. It's number raw snaps, not targets, not carries. Those things matter too. And those are the next things in the equation. But number one is snaps. Okay. Um, now, Antonio Gibson can average a similar amount of target share uh, or a similar amount of targets than, than Mixon. But I do think that Mixon, because he's on the field, he's going to be on the field more, you know, judging by what I think Antonio Gibson's, you know, time on the field is going to be right now. I do think that he has the upper hand there as well. So I'm going Mixon, you know, it, it's really tight there. Um, you know, obviously a lot of people want, rather have the new shiny toy, right, yeah. in Antonio Gibson, and he's younger and all of that, and I understand that. But remember, all of, a lot of our frustration has come from Gio Bernard when it comes to Joe Mixon. And there is a chance that a lot of frustration is going to come from J.D. McKissick. Okay, when it comes to Antonio Brown, I'm, I'm sorry, <laughs> when it comes to when it comes to Antonio Gibson. So that's kind of where I'm at with that. And I'm okay, if, you know, foregoing this season, you know, that a lot of people think that, you know, Antonio Gibson is going to have, you know, a high end RB one type of year. I get it, but I just don't see it as of right now. Sure. Sure. And the Chris uh, McCaffrey role. As described by Cal Kyle Allen, does not move the needle for either of us. No, it does not. It does not. I cannot have him, you know, decide whether I value Antonio Gibson more or not. That needs to come from the head coach, the offensive coordinator, um, running backs coach, offensive line coach. Sure, that, that holds a lot more weight than the quarterback. And then what holds a lot more weight as well is how they literally used him in that with yep. the first team offense in, in week one of preseason. Absolutely. So second to last question here. Uh, who are you taking with the seventh pick in a 10 team PPR? And that's by con artist. Do you consider Travis Kelsey in this range? Um, if well, I first of all, pick, I'm not answering this question. I refuse to answer this question. <laughs> Why is that? Next, que next question. Why is that? Because con artist is my brother-in-law. Okay. And uh, we're in a league together. And he has the seventh pick in that league. Now, I have the second pick, mm -hmm. but I don't want him to take anybody. Like, I just so, don't want him to take anybody at all, so, period. So, Con, let me help you out here. because for... <laughs> <laughs> You can answer this question. Go, I will. You go for I will. It. I'm just going to sit here and watch. So, Con, what you want to do is you want to take Austin Eckler. You want to kill Faraz's hopes and dreams. <laughs> so, what I, what I would do is I would take – you could take someone like Devontae Adams – with the seventh overall pick, because I feel like a lot of times in these 10 team leagues, you want to build the the best at each position that you can. You want to get the best tight end you can, the best wide receiver, best quarterback. Well, best... you know, and in this situation, it might be good because uh, this is a three wide receiver league. So, you know, th that does that would work out better in a three wide receiver league than it would in a two wide receiver league. So that might even push other people to take more 
um, running backs and wide receivers by the time you pick again. So I would say Devontae Adams. And then when it comes back to you, get a guy like Austin Eckler, Aaron Jones, um, you know, Joe Mixon, if he falls, Travis Kelsey, if he falls is a must at that point, just because you're getting the best that you can for your value. So yeah, that's, that's what I would do. Um, also when you're drafting with Faraz, make sure to grab all his sleepers. Um, you can see on his page, he'll have everything listed out about exactly who he likes and where he likes them, or you can listen here and he'll talk about it. So Austin Eckler is a guy he likes Elijah Moore. Make sure you get Elijah Moore before for, he'll probably go after him in like the ninth, uh, 10th round. So make sure you get Elijah Moore at that point. You know, I'm just laughing. I'm just laughing because <laughs> like he, he must've went on your page and answered your question. <laughs> And then you actually picked it. I love it. I love it. That's that's awesome. That's really that's that's great trolling by that's my dedication. Dedication. That's really good. That's really good. I, I commend him. <laughs> Hilarious. Uh, so, last question here, um, and this one wasn't asked by anyone specifically, but this is just a, a question I've been getting a ton. The best draft pick to have this year in a twelve-team PPR. The best draft pick for me, um, I. <laughs> I'm in a league with in my family league and every year we do creative ways to decide the draft order. This year, what we decided was we would do the Olympics and everybody would get assigned a country. And based on how many gold medals your country had, you would get to pick your draft spot. You know, so I had China and China had more gold medals than the other countries that were chosen. So I could to pick any spot in a 12 team PPR. Um, I chose third, right? So, Third for me is a good spot because it's either it's going to be Chris McCaffrey, it'll be Dalvin Cook. And for me, I like taking Alvin Kamara in that third spot. I feel like his upside is very high in a PPR league uh, without Michael Thomas there. Even if he gets some touchdowns taken away from him, I think he's a very safe pick. And then when it comes back to you, you get end of the second, you can pick Calvin Ridley, A.J. Brown, D.K. Metcalf in that range. And then it comes back to the early third you still get a great running back too. And you have the option of taking someone like Darren Waller, if you really want to in that spot, uh, end of the fourth, early fifth, that's another great spot to either take a tight end at the beginning of the fifth. If you want to take TJ Hawkinson or someone like that. And the end of the fourth, there might even be a running back left over, like a, like a Mike Davis, Travis Etienne, uh, Kareem Hunt, one of these guys. So for me, I'm liking the three spot a lot. And that's the kind of the route that I plan to go. Do you have a specific spot that you like? You like the end of the first round? Is there a certain pick that you like? Yeah, there are. I think at the end of the first round this year has been pretty good because you can get two stud running backs, you know, yeah. at, at the turn, right? Whether it's the 10th spot or whether it's 11th or 12th. Uh, I think like if you're at the 10th, you get a good, you know, you get a good, a couple uh, good choices, right? In, in terms of like which running back you really want, right? And then when it comes back around at 14, you know, you still have a, a several good running backs to choose from as well, right? So I'm cool with that. Like, I like, I like being at the end there. Um, you know, I, you know, it's hard for me, you know, especially early on um, when you're choosing like a Dalvin Cook or, you know, Alvin Kamara, Zeke at four, you know, what are you going to do or three or three or four? Like, what do you do when you get to the top of the third round? What running backs do you like at the top of the third, you know, that, that, you know, that you would take over some of these stud wide receivers. So, um, you know, it's going to depend who's left. And I think that also gives me the flexibility to say, okay, I can pick, I can anchor my running back position with Alvin Kamara. And then at the end of the second, I can get a DK Metcalf, Calvin Ridley, um, AJ sure. Brown, one of these guys, and then at the beginning of the third, let's say Keenan Allen's still sitting there staring at me. I can go wide receiver, wide receiver, yeah. And then at the yeah. end of the fourth, beginning of the fifth, I can still get two other running backs that'll be feasible. I can get a sure. Kareem Hunt, I can get a Mike Davis, and I can okay. be okay enough in that range. Top it off with Zach Moss later, whatever you want to do. Okay, but, yeah, um, that's kind of what I was getting at because I think a lot of people, you know, are you know at that spot are reaching for some running backs there, right? Mm-hmm. And they're avoiding, especially in PPR leagues, especially in three wide receiver leagues, they're, they're just leaving elite talent on the board, right? And like you said, like you, your Keenan Allen is a great example, right? Um, AJ Brown, like these type of guys are, are on the board a lot, you know, in the in at the top of the third, and then you go ahead and choose like DeAndre Swift or like David Montgomery, right? And I just, I just me personally, I can't do it. The only running back who has a, like like a smidge like a small chance of being there is Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. 
Like if Clyde Edwards Hilaire ends up somehow being at that two, three turn, I'm cool with that. But otherwise, I'm most likely going wide receiver. And if any of the um let's say like if a somehow what about Darren Najee, Waller? Darren Waller was there. That's what I said too. Like right? in the beginning of the yeah. third round gives you the flexibility to pick a guy like that. Yeah. Um beginning of the fifth round, you kind of have your hand pick choice of like TJ Hawkinson, Mark Andrews, Kyle Pitts, one of those guys. And then even that sixth, seventh turn, that's a great spot to take like an Aaron Rodgers, Russell Wilson, Justin Herbert, and then top it off with that Zach Moss in that range as well. So sure. yep. I think each round it kind of just hits the exact areas of which where I want to draft. Um and it works yeah. out. And I think another thing too is like if Antonio Gibson, Joe Mixon, Najee Harris, uh, or one of those guys end up slipping to the end of the sixth end of the second round, which with family leagues, you never know, right? That's he, true. That's there's true. always my grandpa who's 85 years old. He might be taking Tom <laughs> Brady in the second round again. <laughs> but, um, you know, if it happens, then you're in a nice spot. So we'll, we'll we'll see. But that's just for me personally. I think it also has to do with knowing your league mates as well. So if you know people go quarterback early, like there's this one league I do for a buddy of mine, me and him are, it's a one quarterback league, but everybody in it is like over the age of 40. So they're nice. all picking quarterbacks early because they, and if you ask them, they say it's because they're the most important position in football. So why would you, <laughs> you can't really argue too much against, but that's a point of like, know your league and know where you're going to be able to get these guys. Right. Awesome. So did, did you have a, a concrete, spot that you wanted like a number or just towards the end i would say 10 i'm gonna say 10 sure and a 12 team pbr okay yep awesome so that's gonna do it with all the questions i have um that was good that was nice and short uh, we got a lot of information out there yeah no, i i I'm, I'm glad that we were able to do that and answer some people's questions um you know if you guys have more questions we're gonna be doing some more of these we're gonna be hopping on lives together um you know and don't hesitate to reach out um, if you guys want to be part of my text community, um, I'm not sure if you guys know this, but you guys can actually text me. Um, I am open to getting, you know, having more conversation with you guys. Um, and the phone number is 718-306-6701, 718-306-6701. Hit me up with, with your questions and, and, and we'll chat over text. Um, but I'm, Upper Hand Fantasy on Instagram. Joe is fantasy.football.analyst on Instagram. Um, thank you guys for listening to this. We're going to two podcasts a week for the next couple of weeks. And then we're definitely going to have multiple podcasts, you know, when once the season starts as well. But we haven't decided exactly how many. It'll be at least two. Um, it could be three. Could be more. We'll see. Uh, but we're still trying to figure that out. Um, but yeah, thank you for, for getting all those questions to us, guys. Um, and we'll talk to you guys soon. Joe, did you have anything else, brother? Um, you can text me at nine seven. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> don't text me if you have my number. Don't, don't text me. <laughs> Even if you have my number, don't text me. Actually, if you have my number, just delete it. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> All right, guys, take it easy. Talk to you later. See ya. See you.